Hi there, and welcome to Naturally Recovering Autism. I'm your host, Karen Thomas, and thank you so much for being here today. Being here means you're a proactive parent and you're getting the resources that you need to recover your child from their symptoms of autism. And whether you're a parent, a caregiver, or even a practitioner, um, I'm, I'm grateful that you're here because the resources that I share are valuable for families all over the world. And kids today are recovering from their symptoms of autism. My own son is a perfect example. I was told to, when he was diagnosed with autism, I was told to drug him, try behavioral therapies, and basically good luck. We would be managing symptoms the rest of our lives, the rest of his life. But luckily, fortunately, I have a background in holistic health as a craniosacral therapist where I studied the brain and I knew that the body could heal if you got the toxins out of the way, reduced the inflammation and gave the nutritional resources to whatever the body was needing. And so that's what I found for my own son in my own research and now 14 years later, he's fully recovered from his symptoms of autism. Now everybody's level of recovery is different, but these, your children, children can improve and greatly and everybody needs to know that that's possible. And I've created a free online workshop for you to kind of explain what I call the four stages to naturally recover from autism. Stage one is healing the gut. Stage two is natural heavy metal detoxification. Stage three is clearing the co-infections, which are a really big deal and often missed, with things like mold, biotoxins, Lyme's disease, strep infections. And then stage four is brain support and repair. Once you've kind of cleared out a lot of the inf in infections, the inflammation, then you can go in and support the brain further where it's still needed. So that is available to you right now at naturallyrecoveringautism.com forward slash free workshop. No spaces, just free workshop. And please share that with anybody you know who might be interested in that as well because I want parents to know their children can get better and I want these resources to reach who, whoever they can and that must be happening with this show because I'm thrilled to say we have reached the number one spot on this entire network in uh, basically uh, just a little over a year's time so that's that's fabulous to know that this is getting, uh, this is reaching the people who need it. And again, please help me share the radio show. If you know people who would be interested, please tell them about it. We're here every Tuesday live at uh, 9 a.m. Pacific, 12 p.m. Eastern time, right here on Bold Brave Media. And today, I'm excited to say that we are going to have a topic called the, uh, on the benefits of chiropractic for autism. And I'm excited about that because this is kind of how my original journey began, which was now 32 years ago when I was kind of fresh out of college and I was, my original major had been physical therapy, but I wanted to do something different. And I saw, uh, I saw an ad actually for a chiropractor wanting a back office assistant. I ended up getting the job with her and I worked in that office for 10 years. I became their massage therapist. It fed me into craniosacral therapy and I learned uh, so much about holistic health from that chiropractic office because a lot of people think chiropractic is just about the skeletal system only and just adjusting 
the spine, but there is so much more involved. And uh, we'll, we'll get into that today, but you know, you've got neurodevelopment, physiology, uh, how things can affect you emotionally. And, and if you've heard my episode on craniosacral therapy, you've heard me talk about how certain cranial nerves, when they get pinched, like the vagus nerve in the back of, right, right at the back of the the head, um, right where it meets the soft tissue of the neck, right there, that's really easily, uh, it's, it's called subluxated. You probably heard us talk about that in this episode, but how that bone is um, pushed out of place and that, that area can be uh, misaligned from birth. And if the, the vagus nerve is affected, you can have thing, issues like respiratory issues like asthma. You can have uh, a lot of anxiety issues, very, very big, um, causing uh, anxiousness if the vagus nerve is not um, being able to be, um, isn't clear isn't, and uh, is uh, being pinched on at all. So there are a lot of things there, and it also affects digestion. Um, but today we have a guest with us who is a chiropractor who specializes in children and working with children and in autism spectrum disorders. Um, his name is Dr. Daniel Bronstein, and I'm going to give you a little bit of his background. He graduated magnum cum laude from Southern California University of Health Sciences in 2010, having cultivated an acute appreciation for the care of children throughout his professional career. Dr. Bronstein has devoted the core of his practice towards helping sick kids specializing on the management of chronic birth trauma and pelvic distortion in pregnancy. He's certified by the Academy Council of Chiropractic Pediatrics and Webster Technique by the International Chiropractic Pediatrics Association. Dr. Bronstein is a sought-after lecturer and instructor and has published multiple articles and editorials on the science and philosophy of chiropractic. He has also performed research on the safety and efficacy of chiropractic care for several agencies, including the traditional medicine unit of the World Health Organization, and he is director of the Beacon Clinic of Chiropractic of Grover Beach, California. His website is chirobeacon.com, and I will link to all of that, and the show notes today will be at naturallyrecoveringautism.com forward slash 56. So, Dr. Bronstein, welcome, and thank you so much for being here with us today. Thank you, Karen. I'm really, really excited to be here. Thank you. It's uh, it's exciting because there's there's so much value here that parents are really unaware of, like like a, some of the things I was mentioning. And I know that you specialize in in children, so if you can just, I'm kind of curious how you how you fell into that, why why you sort of have have uh, transitioned into working with children and especially children with autism. Yeah, thank you. So there's there's really two parts to the story. Uh, I, I became a chiropractor uh, because I was an athlete and I injured myself uh, many, many, many times. Um, as a matter of fact, I was a competitive water skier at UC Santa Barbara. And I don't know if you know anything about crashing and water skiing, but uh, it's really damaging to your spine. Uh, so I, found I do, actually, unfortunately. Yeah, you'd think that water's soft, but it's not. Um, mm-hmm. You uh, anyway, so I found a chiropractor. He helped me uh, considerably. Helped uh, one of my teammates considerably. And uh, at the time, I was milling around the idea of going to, to medical school. I had already taken my MCAT. I'd done extremely well, and I was having an existential crisis because I, you know, I spent five years in the ER, you know, uh, um, shadowing and and working as a as a tech, and I I really didn't want to do that for the rest of my life. I I didn't want to be around 
uh, lots of sick people that had no real end in sight, meaning, you know, you get meds when you go to the ER and then you leave and there's no triage, there's no follow-up, there's no human connection. Um, so I had a, a bit of an existential crisis before uh, my colleague who had, you know, found chiropractic and decided to go to chiropractic school invited me. The first four years I was involved, uh, when I was in school, I assumed chiropractic was good for backs and necks and you know by all means it's it's fantastic for back pain and neck pain and headaches um but i didn't really learn about the implications for children until my first year in practice and call it my residency if you'd like where i was studying under a chiropractor by the name of steve tullius and um i i started seeing cases come through that were not neck and back cases um and uh, maybe we'll dangle that in front of our, our listeners to talk about a little bit more because these cases were just incredible and they got better and we weren't giving them any trucks. So. Right. And that's what it's about, the natural solutions that, uh, that we're here to share. Uh, we need to take a short break right here, but when we come back, we'll jump right back into that. You're listening to Naturally Recovering Autism. I'm your host, Karen Thomas. Stay with us. We will be right back. Have you ever wondered why some children recover from their symptoms of autism while others never seem to get any better? After 13 years of research, Karen Thomas has recovered her own son from his symptoms of autism naturally. She now shares how she did it with you in her free webinar so that you can have the right resources and knowledge to help your child. The definition of recovery is to regain health. Karen offers this to you in four stages. Healing the gut, natural heavy metal detoxification, balancing the co-infections of autism, brain support, and repair. Register now for this free webinar to help you know what you can do to help your child to sleep better, be more calm, improve focus, and reach their fullest potential to live a happy, healthy life. Go to naturallyrecoveringautism.com forward slash free workshop. Empowering parents with the resources to naturally recover autism from a mom who's done it. Hi there, and welcome back to Naturally Recovering Autism. I'm your host, Karen Thomas, and thank you for being here with us today. We are talking about the benefits of chiropractic for autism, and we have Dr. Daniel Bronstein with us today, who specializes in working with, he's a chiropractor specializing in working with children and in autism spectrum disorders as well. And before the break, we were talking a little bit about, um, Dr. Bronstein, how you saw a lot of people being fed drugs, but uh, but there weren't that wasn't really a solution. And that's what I'm all about is treating, working with the causes, not just masking symptoms. And, and that's what these natural solutions um, can do for people. So where did you take it from there? What, where did you, what was your next step? Yeah, it's funny you bring that up. So I have a mentor that I, uh, I teach with quite a bit who refers to DC, doctor of chiropractic as doctor of cause, because, you know, the majority of our work is looking at underlying uh, neurological function, and um, we're, we're pegged as spine doctors because, you know, as I said before the break, spine care is, is ubiquitous with chiropractic. You know, with neck and back pain, super duper easy to help correct with chiropractic care. But um, when we see other cases that aren't related to neck and back pain, especially with kids, because kids should not have neck and back pain uh, or there's a real big problem. Um, we have to look down below the surface. You know, I, I was talking before the break about how I worked with Dr. Tullius, and I, I was seeing, um, I was seeing cases that 
you know, in my intellectual brain, I was thinking should not have gotten better just by correcting subluxations, as you were talking about before, misalignments or bad movement segments in the spine. Um, but they were. Uh, I joke all the time in my office that I love constipation cases. It's the most common thing I see in my office by far because kids who are constipated, we clear out some of that neurological, what we call gain or white noise in the system, if you think about it like an electrical circuit. And the first thing they do is go into parasympathetic dominance. And when that happens, their gut motility improves and they poop. Um, and so they, in a lot of cases, will do that on the table. I get text messages all the time from my parents saying, hey, she pooped or he pooped. As a matter of fact, I got one last night um, from one of the kids that we've been working on for quite a while. Um, but when I started seeing this working with Dr. T, I realized there's something to this. It's not just placebo. It's not just, you know, the parents sort of seeing things through a different lens, which I know a lot of parents with autism, uh, autistic children are being accused of. It's, there's actually something physiologic going on here. So I spent the next roughly five years uh, studying and doing postdoc work in pediatrics uh, with the International Chiropractic Pediatrics Association and the Academy um, to become certified. And uh, since that time, you know, we've kind of established ourselves in the community as a clinic that sees really challenging cases. And, um, and we're really proud of that fact. We see kids from all over the county and, and really help with a lot of different things. And how did you end up getting involved with autism? Or you just probably with um, one in 59 kids today, if, there's just so many yeah, out there. How, how could you not if, if you take care of children? Mm -hmm. um, right. I mean, this is, this is a hot button topic. I mean, these kids are coming in and regardless of what their symptoms are, almost every single kiddo that I see is hyper aroused. Um, whether that means that they're showing signs of ADHD or sensory processing disorder or PDD or ODD or, or I mean, autism. I mean, I, I take care of a few pandas kids too, or who are really, really sick. Um, how could you turn a blind eye to this, this ever expanding pandemic? Um, especially if you have the tools to be able to, to help. And, you know, I'll say too, one of the reasons that I was drawn to taking care of these cases, Karen, is because I, I am one of these cases. I was a C-section baby. Um, my mom was told that, uh, when I was born that she had to have a C-section because I was too big or breach or whatever excuse there was, um, that 20 years from now, everybody's going to have a C-section because that's just the way things are. And this isn't to denigrate moms who have had C-sections, but we as a culture have done a really good job of disempowering moms. It started back in the 70s. I was born in that position already with a ton of trauma, already with a ton of stress. Um, I received concussion after concussion after concussion from like, you know, BMX when I was a kid to wrestling to martial arts. That's kind of the type of sporting that I did, you know, compounded by my time water skiing in college. And, um, I, you know, I was an Aspie kid, you know, quote unquote Aspie. You know, I was super hyper vigilant. I was very detail oriented, but I was also very tactless. And um, it created a lot of problems that I wasn't able to identify until my 30s, really, until I found, you know, a provider that was really help, uh, able to help me kind of unpackage and unravel all that stuff. Um, once I started to identify those traits in the kids that I was seeing, it was a no-brainer. It was a no-brainer. Let's start studying. Let's try to unravel some of these causes so that we can help these kids um, live more fulfilled lives. And, and that's kind of what brought me here today. 
And that, that is what it's about, is letting these kids have a chance at living, you know, a, a happy and a healthy, because these kids are sick. And that's what I, I like to tell parents, you know, every once in a while somebody says, you can't recover from autism. And it's not a mental illness. It's a biological one. And what you have to do is find out what's what's not correct in the biology and be able to, to work with that. And just like my son, I was told he couldn't recover. And today he's completely recovered. He has no residual symptoms of autism. And if I hadn't done the work, the research that I did to find out what I could do to work with the causes of what was going on for him, he today could could just be another drugged kid who could be unhappy. He wouldn't be living away at college on his own, living a an independent, fulfilling life. And that's what I think is so valuable that we offer children and parents to know there are resources that can help and they do make a difference. And um, and then I think it's it's important uh, in this episode today that we talk about, um, you know, some of the, the birth trauma issues as well, because you mentioned that uh, or in your in your bio, bio it, you talk about working with uh, birth trauma and pelvic distortion in pregnancy and some of the things that can happen right from the get go in uh, in birth. And I know I talk to a lot of parents who tell me this, that they they're they might have had a difficult birth uh, or the, the child was, as you mentioned, C-section or breach or something else going on or, you know, there are just so many different things that seem to happen these days. And and then also, if you're a C-section, you're not coming out through the vaginal canal, which offers you all of the mother's uh, bacteria that is a sort of a cleansing and helps uh, your own good bacteria to grow. And and that's where, of course, I talk about mothers need to make sure that they are really have done some work with their own gut and detoxification and some candida clearing um, before uh, you conceive, if you're aware of it, if you're going to have another child and you're listening to this, that's something that's really, really important to know about too, so that you're not passing things in utero onto your child. We're going to take a short break right here. When we come back, we'll talk about um, talk about some of this, these things that you can do um, pre-conception and then things that happen in birth trauma and, of course, solutions and things that you can do. Uh, so stay with us. You're listening to Naturally Recovering Autism. I'm your host, Karen Thomas. Hi there, and welcome back to Naturally Recovering Autism. I'm your host, Karen Thomas, and today we're talking about the benefits of chiropractic for autism, and we have Dr. Daniel Bronstein here with us. And before the break, we started talking a little bit about things that can happen uh, to uh, pelvic distortion in pregnancy, things that uh, mom might want to be aware of, uh, and uh, every also keeping your own body balanced while you're conceiving and even preconception. And then um, I definitely would like to talk uh, about birth trauma. So Dr. Bronstein, if you can maybe just kind of, uh, you know, start with some of that information, that would be really helpful. Yeah. Um, okay. So let me just preface this by saying uh, what I'm going to talk about is not, in my mind, any one cause of autism. We know that autism is multimodal. There's a lot of different uh, contributors to autism symptoms that I know Karen talks a lot about in her work. Um, but it's a common denominator that chiros like me see all too frequently. Um, and it's uh, one of the reasons that chiropractic care works so well with these children. Um, pelvic distortion is a phenomenon by which your pelvic floor, your pelvic bowl, either rotates out of position 
um, or, or gets stuck and doesn't move correctly, which contributes to a phenomenon we call in, in utero constraint, which basically um, is a, a situation where baby doesn't really have all the tools that he or she needs to be able to um, present correctly um, and then be born in a position that they're designed to be born in, right? So basically cuts down on the real estate that allows baby to find the exit correctly. And it's becoming more common. Um, I spent uh, two weeks in Paris last year and I taught at a conference um, and the keynote speaker was a guy named Michel Odant. Uh, and if you don't know Odant, you need to look at his work. His uh, last name is O-D-E-N-T. He's a French uh, OBGYN. He's about 90 years old now. Um, but he talked to us about how in, in his research, he's finding that women are genetically selecting away from vaginal birth now because we've had multiple generations since, you know, starting in about the 40s or 50s where um, birth has become um, uh, more patriarchal, meaning um, <laughs> I'm going to say this in as nice a way as possible, but men have basically ruined the birthing process. Um, so now we have women who genetically are having less of a capacity to be able to live, to deliver vaginally, which means the likelihood that baby's going to have trauma in the birthing process and postpartum increases dramatically. And um, when that happens, uh, a host of neurological sequelae will follow. Um, you were talking briefly about the gut before, and I think it's important that we don't skip over that. Um, one of the pieces of research that I read recently actually suggests that babies who are born posterior are more dysbiotic, meaning they have more gut problems than babies who are born anterior. Um, and it isn't just, you know, limited to breach and cesarean section. And the reason is because the author suggested that babies get the majority of their bacteria from fecal flora, not just from vaginal flora, um, which means that babies who are born posteriorly, which is uh, sunny side up, um, don't have the opportunity to get that mouthful of bacteria uh, the same way that an anterior baby does. Um, so, so you can see that the birthing process is crucial. And if a baby has all the tools that he or she needs to be able to be born vaginally, um, not only will he or she get that good sort of mouthful of good bacteria on the way out the door, but it also stimulates the nervous system correctly so that certain neurological pathways can jumpstart. Um, Karen, you were talking about how you're a cranial sacral therapist, so you know the importance of cranial sacral movement on cerebral spinal fluid flow. When a baby is born vertex, that jump starts the cerebral spinal fluid circulation by causing those plates to overlap and compress and then expand in what's called a vacuum phenomenon. And when babies don't get that, and they don't get it correctly, it leads to a host of other neurological sacralite down the road. So, yeah, they get really um, poor uh, lymphatic drainage as well, and and our kids have a lot of problems with uh, detoxification pretty much right out of the you know right from the get go. Right, right. I mean, and it's unfortunate because we have so disempowered moms in the birthing process and so taken away their sovereignty and autonomy that we're convinced to believe that moms are not able to deliver vaginally at all. And we're convinced to believe that birth is a traumatic process. We're convinced to believe that babies are going to just go to the NICU because that's what they do. Um, you know, this is why it's so important for chiros out there like me who are trained in pediatrics to start working with hospitals to have credentials to go in and check 
and adjust babies uh, right at birth if we possibly can. You know, as a policy, I don't go into hospitals that I don't have credentials at because I don't want to step on anybody's toes and I want to have a good relationship with the OBs. But I do check and adjust babies at home with home births that are supervised by midwives as soon as humanly possible because that, that pelvic distortion is so ubiquitous, it's so common, the likelihood a baby is going to have a subluxation or a misalignment, especially at the top of the neck, approaches like 95%. It's, it's so common. Yeah, it's the most common subluxation uh, that that occurs at birth. Is is that when in the first segment when I was mentioning how right at the base of the back of the head, that bone there is called the occiput, and where it meets the soft tissue of the neck, which is then the first cervical vertebrae or the area is called the atlas, that can get pushed out of uh, out of alignment in birth very very easily and then again you have that vagus nerve being pinched and and uh, all of the ramifications that can have happen from that uh, you know uh, as well as, as as many other issues and the worst thing you never want to have your child have to ha- have uh, forceps pull them out of the vaginal canal on, on the cranial bones because uh, I just I see people who are literally in their 60s and they're still having issues from being a forceps baby. So certain things that happen to your child when they fall and they hit their head or with children with autism, uh, they can be headbangers. And sometimes that's an innate response. Their head hurts and they're trying to fix it or they're just so... um, just so anxious or have so many sensory, so much sensory overload, they'll start hitting their head too. And you really want to try and prevent your child from, from hitting their head. And if they do, you want to get them to a chiropractor that is knowledgeable in cranial work or, or an experienced craniosacral therapist and have them, uh, have them get some, some, uh, some help with that, uh, with those bones getting put back in balance because uh, there are so many, so many things that can happen long-term from, from those kinds of effects. Um, we are getting close to taking a break here, so why don't we uh, go ahead and take one now? Because uh, when we come back, we'll start something. We'll we'll start. We'll go on further with uh, with a few other things that uh, I think are really important for parents of children with autism to know. So we're going to take a short break right here. Stay with us. We will. Hi there, and welcome back to Naturally Recovering Autism. I'm your host, Karen Thomas, and today we're talking about the benefits of chiropractic for autism, and our guest today is Dr. Daniel Bronstein. And Dr. Bronstein, um, why don't we talk about some of the underlying mechanisms that of, that, ha- that happen and how, how this episode and how chiropractic and, and can be so helpful for children with autism, how all of this ties into autism. Yeah. Okay. So uh, listeners buckle in because there's a lot that comes into this. And for anybody who's interested, we're running a, a free webinar that is going to dig into this in detail uh, the next Monday. Um, you can go to our Facebook page and get more information about that, but I'll try to keep it as succinct as possible. So there are essentially five steps that we identify with these children um, that are are common throughout the, the entire sort of spectrum, whether these children come in with ADHD symptoms or um, our sensory processing symptoms or oppositional symptoms, it, it, it doesn't really matter because they're all very common. So the first step, it goes hand in hand with what we talked about with regards to birth trauma. Um, we use uh, five Ds to describe them. The first step is called dyskinesis. It basically means that something isn't moving correctly in the spine or it's out of place, and it's preventing the brain from perceiving where the ground is correctly. Okay, so gravity becomes a little bit of a harder nut to crack in terms of physics if things aren't lined up in a straight line in the spine. Okay, 
when something has been dyskinetic for a really long time, and this can happen in utero, and it usually does happen with uh, in utero constraint, it leads to another phenomenon we know as disafferentation. Disafferentation really simply means that now that the brain can't figure out where the ground is, the body is having a really hard time interpreting sensory information from the outside world. Gravity is one of those pieces of information. It's a big piece of information, but touch, smell, hearing, taste, all that stuff, proprioception, all of that is really, really important. And the cerebellum, which is the part of the brain that interprets all this information and unpackages it, is not getting symmetrical input from both sides of the body. Things start to break down. This leads to the third step, which is where the rubber kind of meets the road for our, um, our, our parents with children on the spectrum, and that is dysautonomia. And this is what you're talking about, Karen, with regards to the vagus nerve. Dysautonomia, simply put, is, a, is an imbalance between the sympathetic and parasympathetic nervous systems. These are the parts of the nervous system that run your fight and flight response and rest and digest response. They're two opposites, but they need to be running in balance to be able to let the body heal correctively. You need to have a stress response to get away from things that are potentially damaging to you, but you can't run it into the ground. And what a hallmark of what a lot of these kids uh, show is sympathetic dominance, which is coming from this, this overwhelm to the vagus nerve and the nervous system can't slam the brakes and correct it uh, appropriately. Uh, Karen, you were talking before about how the atlas is one of the most subluxated bones in the body. I would go so far as to say that something like 95% of the kids that I check have an atlas subluxation at any given time because it's so important. Um, but what happens is above the atlas lives uh, two parts of the brainstem, the pons and the medulla, and together they make up what's called the pontomedullary reticular formation or the PMRF. And the PMRF inhibits the upper part of the brainstem called the mesencephalon. The mesencephalon is a gas pedal. It basically turns that stress response on, and as long as the PMRF is not working correctly, that stress response goes haywire. It sends information through the vagus that sends all of your organs into kind of shutdown mode so that you can run away from whatever's threatening you, right? Your fight or flight response is only supposed to last for about five, ten minutes, and it's lasting, in some cases, 24 hours a day for a lot of the kids and adults we're seeing. When that phenomenon has been going on for a long time, we enter the next phase, which is a real big hallmark of ADHD, which is called dyspinesis, and that's abnormal energy output. Basically means that there's all this stored up sympathetic energy that needs to be blown off somewhere, and it manifests in a bunch of different ways, um, especially the types of tics that you see with ADHD kids. It can even manifest in some of the things like we see in stimming behavior with children with autism, like hand biting or head banging, like you were talking about before. Um, that's a perfect example, Karen. Um, this phenomenon is super common and it's something that is measurable in chiropractor's offices, especially chiropractors like me who check uh, these types of things. Um, and it gives us a degree of certainty as to how well we're going to be able to help these kids. And then the last step is disconnection. And for parents of children with autism who have no eye contact, who are unable to speak, um, who have severe stimming behaviors, this is that step. This is a really severe step, a sequelae coming from uh, severe dysautonomia and severe dyspinesis. Um, these are challenging cases. They're cases that require a lot of input, not just from chiropractors, but also from uh, folks like Karen, from other allied functional med practitioners, um, anybody that can help kind of bring things back online. They're not lost causes, but they're very challenging cases. So my goal is to try to see these kids as soon as humanly possible after the birth process so that if we identify dyskinesias, um, we can eliminate them before they become big problems. So there you go.
Yeah, and that is the important aspect of of identifying these things early on. Uh, so many kids, I had a, a little boy, his, his mom actually overheard me in a conversation one time in public telling somebody about cranial work and what I did. And she said, my son, his first words when he, 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 was, he could barely walk, he, he, she said his first words were head hurt, and he would hit his head against the coffee table. And she brought him, he was eight years old when she brought him to me, and he had had headaches his entire life. And I saw him twice, and I saw him, it was, it, that took care of it. I saw him later, and I'm like, how's your head, and how are you? And he's like, I don't have headaches anymore, and he was fine. And so yeah. that's where, you know, if if mom had known earlier, th- thankfully, she found out when he was eight, he could have gone, been somebody who went through his whole life with that, and he might have ended up on you know, some medications that had negative side effects and it wouldn't have taken care of the cause of the problem or many of the the, the headache issues or, or other things that he had going on from it. And uh, so that's the thing is, is early intervention and, and being able to identify naturally what's going on so they can start working with it. So, um, so this is where uh, an educated chiropractor, again, who's somebody who's really knowledgeable in these things, and um, and uh, we'll get some we'll get some links at the end of the show too to how you can find a, a chiropractor anywhere in the world because this is a global show and people are listening all over the world and I want to make sure that the uh, resources that we offer resources to you so you know where you live how to find a quality chiropractor. In fact, we're we're on the edge of a break, but I will give it at the end of the. Um, at the show for sure, but uh, do you have a, you have a link, don't you, Dr. Bronstein, that that can you can share for how pe- parents can find somebody good near them? Yeah, yeah. Um, the best way to, to find a chiropractor is to go to the ICPA4Kids.com, ICPA, the number 4Kids.com, and check within sitting distance of your home and find somebody with a C-A-C-C-P after their name. Okay, with a D-A-T-T, what was that? It's a C-A-C-C-P after their name. That's somebody who's certified and who has likely the experience to be able to do this work. Okay, perfect. And I will link to that in the show notes at naturallyrecoveringautism.com forward slash 56. But we're going to take a short break right here. Please stay with us. We will. Hi there, and welcome back to Naturally Recovering Autism. I'm your host, Karen Thomas, and today we're talking about the benefits of chiropractic for autism with Dr. Daniel Bronstein. And one of the things that I want to point out that I I learned in the 10 years that I worked in a chiropractic office is that it's important for you to know that there are a lot of different types of adjusting that chiropractors can do, and they can vary greatly from one doctor to another. And like some some people, the woman that I worked with, the doctor I worked with was completely non-force. There was no force adjusting that she she used something called an activator or she used uh, a, a different um, mobility. She applied, used a lot of applied kinesiology, a lot of muscle testing, as you've heard me talk about muscle testing in the past. Uh, things also can be worked with like the diaphragm to move it down. It can get stuck up and affect digestion. The ileocecal valve is another thing that, that can be really worked with um, gently and manually on the body. So Dr. Bronstein, why don't you share with parents because there might be some concerns about, you know, some people are really comfortable with chiropractic and others don't know that much about it and what that might mean for their their child and how, how, how that can what that can look like at a, a typical appointment. Yeah, Karen. Um, okay, so first and foremost, guys, uh, for those of you who are listening and you've been to a chiropractor before and you know that there's 
usually a lot of twisting and a lot of popping and all this other scary stuff. A, a chiropractic adjustment for a child should never, ever, ever be scary. It should never hurt. It should never be scary. Um, and if it is, uh, you need to find a new chiro. Uh, there's a lot of consternation right now in the pediatrics world, especially in Australia, because Australia is a, is at risk of losing uh, the ability. Australian chiropractors are at risk of losing the ability to take care of children uh, because uh, there were several chiropractors who were posting videos on YouTube of their adjustments of kids, and they were not standard of care. Um, there are a lot of chiros who take care of kids, and I, I'm sorry to say that uh, there are a lot of chiros who take care of kids who are not trained. Um, and so it's vitally important that when you do find a chiro, you do go to the ICPA, you do check their credentials, you make sure that they, they are trained to take care of children and that they're employing a standard of care that is um, commensurate uh, with the, the highest standards of the academy. Um, when I see a kid uh, on the spectrum, there's a good possibility that I won't even be able to touch them for a week or two um, because, as you guys know, uh, hypervigilant kids don't like being touched, especially by new people. Um, and so the first week in my office may be just them coming in to play with my toys or to visit with other kids. I mean, the cool thing about being in a chiro office is that chiropractic kids are ambassadors for your office. So I have a ton of kids that will come up and they'll, they'll be friends with kids that they've never met before. And they'll show them around and they'll show them how to get on the table and do all that stuff. Um, but until a kid's comfortable with getting on the table, um, we either have to heavily modify what we're doing or we have to just wait because there's no such thing as an emergency adjustment in this regard. We either correct those problems or we don't. All right. So, and this is also something that's really important for parents to understand. There's no such thing as some chiropractic care, guys. When a chiropractor creates a care plan for your kiddo, the goal is correction. So one adjustment doesn't really do very much. One or two adjustments doesn't, don't really do very much, but a host of adjustments on a care schedule creates plasticity or habit change in the nervous system that allows them to become self-sufficient. Um, it's very unlikely that I'll use even my hands in a lot of cases to do an adjustment on a kiddo. I will employ the use of what's called an integrator, which is like an activator, but it employs torque or a little spin when it, uh, when it adjusts, and we usually dial it back to almost no force at all. Um, we can employ the use of a technique called Logan Basic, which is a non-force technique as well, which is really, really powerful for children on the spectrum, especially if they're sleeping. We can actually get the adjustment, and it's like I said, it's non-force, so it's much more, uh, much easier to get uh, than to try to force a big, heavy, audible adjustment on a kiddo. I employ the use of a pediatric headpiece, which is a little piece that drops out about an eighth of an inch and allows everything to kind of slide into place naturally and gently. Um, I used to have little head speakers in the uh, earpieces so that kids could listen to the sounds of the ocean while they. Um, while they're getting adjusted, unfortunately, um, you can't have anything nice in, in my office because it all gets broken because I got kids in my office and that's part of the process. Um, so we don't do that anymore, but we still make sure that the kids are completely comfortable. If I can't even get a hands-on type of adjustment, um, we may do sensory brushing with the kiddo for a little while. We can do neurosensory reintegration work for a little while until they're a little bit more comfortable. But the end game has to be to remove those dyskinesias. And if we can eventually get to the point where the child is a little bit more comfortable for it and not scared, we can employ the use of those tools, and um, you'd be surprised. I mean, children with autism, um, once they start to snap out of their haze a little bit, they start to become more habit-oriented, and 
I've had kids who were formerly uh, showing major signs of autism who will actually tell me where they're subluxated when they come into the office, which is something that most adults can't do. So um, once we build them up to that point, the sky's the limit, right? And we start to get kids who haven't been able to talk who can start talking again. Then it, we can start using similar techniques that we use on the rest of our children. I, I know that, that same story, and it's kind of nice when um, I remember doing craniosacral work and a, a you know, parent would have to kind of coax their child into, into, you know, my office space and, you know, the first time. And then after they get worked on the first time, which also was completely left, as you say, up to the child, like I would only do however much they could sit still for, however much I could sense that they felt comfortable with, whether it's five minutes, 10 minutes, 20 minutes, does it, you know, it just varied per, per child because you never want to go past a time when a child is, is comfortable. And so I would hear from parents how much calmer their, their child was after the session. But what's even more interesting is the verbal ones would literally say, Mom, I need to go see Karen again. And like over time that they would just all of a sudden I'd get a call from the mom and we need an appointment. And it was because the child actually asked to come back. And so that's what you want is for that child to feel so comfortable there and knowing that they got help, knowing they felt better, even the nonverbal kids will know that they feel better after they go there. And so it, it is important that in any office of any kind that the practitioner is very sensitive to the needs of your child and never forces anything on them and makes it a comfortable space so that the child wants to come back and it's not any type of, of, of uh, you know, a hindrance or invasive to the child or, or scary in any way. So, um yeah, that's that's really nice that uh, that your office obviously is working that way as well. And and again, this this uh, this link that you mentioned, if if these doctors are used to working with kids, then they should be sensitive to all of these things that you mentioned. Correct. Yeah, for sure. And they should have equipment in their offices that that reassure parents that everything is going to be okay. But the way that they talk, the way that their office is set up, the way their staff is. You'll, you'll know when you walk in. Yeah, that's another thing I would say. Get a good vibe for them on the phone. <laughs> you, know, you can interview people when you call up, too. Um, but then as you walk in the door, you'll, you can look around, and you'll, you'll get a pretty good idea pretty quickly, too. Um, we're going to take a short break right here. You're listening to Naturally Recovering Autism. I'm your host, Karen Thomas. Stay with us. We will be right back. Have you ever wondered why some children recover from their symptoms of autism while others never seem to get any better? After 13 years of research, Karen Thomas has recovered her own son from his symptoms of autism naturally. She now shares how she did it with you in her free webinar so that you can have the right resources and knowledge to help your child. The definition of recovery is to regain health. Karen offers this to you in four stages. Healing the gut, natural heavy metal detoxification, balancing the co-infections of autism, brain support, and repair. Register now for this free webinar to help you know what you can do to help your child to sleep better, be more calm, improve focus, and reach their fullest potential to live a happy, healthy life. Go to naturallyrecoveringautism.com forward slash free workshop. Empowering parents with the resources to naturally recover autism from a mom who's done it. 
Hi there, and welcome back to Naturally Recovering Autism. I'm your host, Karen Thomas, and today we've been talking about the benefits of chiropractic for autism and also preconception and uh, and during pregnancy. Very, very important to remember um, those pieces and having your child seen pretty quickly after birth so you can rule out that there are any problems that might arise in the future or that have happened uh, during the birthing process. And we... I'm going to link to all of the show notes today again at naturallyrecoveringautism.com forward slash 56, just the numbers five, six. So if you're out driving your car, you're on your morning walk or you're uh, doing the dishes, you'll um, be able to easily grab these links. But uh, the uh, website to find a, uh, a, a chiropractor uh, worldwide who is works with pediatrics and autism is icpa4 the number 4 kids.com and again you want the caccp after their name that indicates that they uh, work with um, with these particular types of kids and I will again link to that on the show notes page today for you so that uh, that'll be there for you as that resource and um, and I will also link to Dr. Bronstein's um, personal website as well and Dr. Bronstein you had mentioned you've got a free webinar coming up this Monday. So, and that would be in about six days from today. This is uh, early October. So some people might be listening to this in the archives, but where can, you said on your Facebook page, do you want to give us more information about that and the link to your Facebook page as well? Yeah, of course. Um, okay. So we're going to be running a webinar next Monday from 6 p.m. to 8 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. So the East Coast people are going to have to stay up late the best way to get information about that and to register is to go to our Facebook page, search the Beacon Clinic on Facebook, um, check our events. Uh, we've got two uh, seminars actually coming up this month. The first one is uh, on ADHD and sensory processing disorder. And then the second one, unfortunately for East Coast people, it's an in-person seminar workshop on uh, asthma and uh, seasonal allergies. Um, so you can get all that information on the Facebook page. And um, even if you don't go to the Zoom link or anything like that after registering, you can stream the webinar on our Facebook page. Um, so uh, you can go there, get all the information, and uh, you can certainly ask comments in the comments section, and I'll be able to answer them in real time. Okay, perfect. And then, so you're doing that as a live webinar uh, this this, uh, this coming Monday, and then, um, but then you know the recorded version will be on live streaming later on for those who might not be here. That's this correct. We're going to leave it up. Yeah, we're going to leave it up. Okay, perfect. And um, Beacon Clinic, uh, facebook.com forward slash Beacon Clinic. Is that the best way to find uh, you? It's, it, it, I think the name is actually a little bit more, it's longer than that. It's like Beacon Clinic of Chiropractic CA or something. Just It's better just to search the Beacon Clinic on Facebook. You'll find it. Okay. <laughs> I will link to all of that all uh, so that everybody can find it easily. And and just uh we we're we're almost out of time here, but just real briefly, can you give us a little bit more on kind of the things you might cover in, in these? That you said ADD ADHD yeah. and sensory at first. So what do you what are you doing on the episode? Yeah, we're going to go into more detail a lot of the stuff that we talked on this show about. Um, I'm going to talk a lot about the 5Ds and why they're important and what that means to you. I'm going to show a couple case studies so that you guys can see what this actually looks like in real time. Um, we're going to talk about some of the underlying mechanisms and um, 
you know, in, I'll give you guys a hint. Uh, one of the things that we talk about at the very beginning is this so-called moonwalking bear phenomenon. If you've seen the video on YouTube of the moonwalking bear, you'll think it's hilarious. But if you haven't, go search moonwalking bear. Um, we find that we look for all sorts of boogeymen everywhere else, but then miss what's right in front of us. And when it comes to things like autism, we're missing one of the major causes, and we should be focusing our attention on that. So we'll be talking about that in detail on Monday. Okay, perfect. Thank you so much for being here with us today. I greatly appreciate you sharing your time and your expertise with us. And uh, remember the show notes will be at naturallyrecoveringautism.com forward slash 56 for you listening. And uh, we'll get you those links so that you can get your children the resources that you need uh, nearest to where you live. And if you have to drive an hour to an appointment or something like that for a good good chiropractor, then it's worth it. Um, I drive two hours to some of my appointments for things like that. And it's very much worth it. So thank you for tuning in today. We're out of time. Uh, You're listening to Naturally Recovering Autism. I'm your host, Karen Thomas. And please come back next week, every Tuesday, 12 p.m. Eastern. We're here live for you. And please share with your friends on Facebook anywhere you can to let them know about this show and these resources that exist to help you, to help their families as well, and uh, get everybody the, the resources they need so their kids can get better. 